And welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land. That's the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, a free website that writes a lot of articles about Ohio State sports. You might have heard of it. We hope that you have, and we hope that you might tell some of your Buckeye uh, appreciative friends about this website because that's where we write. I am your intrepid host, Matt Brown. I am one of the college league managers for SNB Nation and also the managing editor of LandGrantHolyLand.com. You can find our website on the Twitters at LandGrant33, and you can find me at MattSVN. Well, we're recording the show here on Tuesday, March 7th here in the afternoon, so you'll be listening to this either Tuesday night or uh, on Wednesday. And uh, after really a, a nice slow couple of weeks as far as hard news is concerned for Ohio State, I feel like a bunch of stuff all happened here at once, which uh, makes figuring out what we're going to talk about in this podcast a little bit easier here. I'm joined, uh, as almost always, by my co-host and friend, Mr. Colton Denning, way out west. Uh, Colton, it seems like um, a lot of people have been transferring away from Ohio State football over the last couple of days. Have you decided to transfer away from land-grant, or uh, are you going to, to fulfill the, the length of your scholarship agreement? I think I'm going to fulfill the length of my scholarship agreement, and since I attended college for about eight years, uh, that's probably going to be the length of my stay at land-grant. So looking forward to these next uh, – I think I'm on year two. So looking forward to these next six years while I just dilly-dally around for my degree. You know, I don't feel – a lot of people – a lot of people go to college for eight years. They're just called doctors. Well, what um, I, I feel like, all right, you're doing college wrong if you go four years, unless you're going to cash an NFL paycheck, or you're doing the extreme right thing and you play basketball and you only go for like a semester or two, like D'Angelo Russell, and then you go get paid. I think it's either one or the other. I graduated early. From Ohio State, and I regret it. Everybody should stay in college as long as they possibly can. The 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 uh, adulthood's pretty fun, um, but it's not a replacement for not having any of that responsibility. Did you ever take Friday classes, Matt? By the way, did, did I take? Not only did I take Friday classes, but my entire senior year at Ohio State, because I, I was trying to graduate early and I had to fulfill the the foreign language requirement, I took a eight o'clock in the morning class every single day, even wow. on. Friday. That was yeah. I took like a, a like a Spanish one fourteen or something that tried to combine two year two quarters of Spanish in one. I passed with like a D plus, um, and it, it ruined everything. You know, I'd, I'd I'd go to I'd go to class from eight until noon. I'd go work for the state house, and then I'd go like write for some you know tiny newspapers throughout the state. Don't do what I did. Don't work the whole time. Um, we can we can we can dispense with more uh, bad dad life advice a little a little bit later on here. I'm glad you're sticking around. Uh, several other members of the Ohio State football team uh, are not. Uh, you know, you, you you over the last just over the last I would say 48 hours, there have been three Buckeyes uh, who have departed. James Clark, a wide receiver, uh, will not return. He will graduate and then pursue. Uh, it will appear that he will pursue a graduate transfer, uh, although he's going to run track for Ohio State while he finishes his degree in finance. Uh, Clark was, was a, a fairly high-regarded wideout prospect in the class of 2013, got injured a couple of times, kind of got passed over the depth chart, caught six passes last year. Things never really worked out for him uh, in the scarlet and gray. So he's going to go elsewhere. Another wide receiver, this just broke today, Alex Stump out of St. Ed's, I believe, uh, in Cleveland, uh, will be transferring to Vanderbilt. Uh, he was also a four-star guy, also somebody who struggled a little bit with injuries 
uh, I believe sustained in, in his high school career. Uh, and then it was, you know, Ohio State signed a bunch of other wide receivers. It wasn't really clear how he was going to see the field. And then Tyler Gerald, uh, a, another four-star, so this is an offensive lineman, presumably will be transferring. His destination at this time is not yet known. Urban Meyer said during his press conference today that Gerald just quit and that uh, Meyer wasn't uh, really involved in that. So that, uh, coupled with Kyle Trout and, and Torrance Gibson and Evan Lyle all transferring, uh, to Cincinnati and Duke, respectively. By my count, Ohio State is just one scholarship over the limit now. And I think there's going to be some more attrition coming, probably uh, more than one uh, player you know, between now and the start, the start of the football season. So I, I guess my first question for you, for all of those names, are any of them surprising to you? Uh, name, names that, that, that you didn't think would be leaving or, or names that you thought might have been able to contribute uh, relatively quickly at Ohio State. As far as contributions go, I can't picture any of those guys. May, you know, maybe Torrance Gibson, but we had we had already talked about him. But his situation just seemed built that he was just never going to see the field at Ohio State for off the field reasons. But any of the recent guys, Alex Stump or, or James Clark, we've kind of talked about before how, especially at that position and somewhere like defensive line or defensive back, you're starting to see guys from either a class ago or two classes ago get recruited over. And I think that especially in the case of Clark and Stump, you have guys like Mac, who who was still a young guy that played a little bit last year, but then you have Benjamin Victor as well, and then you have uh, Trevon Grunt and some of the other receiver types in this year's class that I think were probably more talented, at least than Stump coming out. I know Clark was a pretty highly touted guy, but it just seemed like those two in particular were never able to really find their footing. And I, I can't say I'm surprised to see players that were that low on the depth chart leave that were well-regarded in high school. And I, I don't really think that it's going to be a big deal in the long run, no. So – I was surprised by one. Um, Tyler Gerald was somebody who I think had a chance of competing for a spot on the two deep. Um, not somebody who I think was going to be able to start in the, in the next year or two, but um, I wasn't aware of any reports that he, that, 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 that he was struggling. And there, there, there was still a path for him to be able to play. You know, a, a, an IMG kid, somebody who had played high school football at, at a high level near the end of his career. So that was a little bit strange, although I wasn't shocked to see an offensive lineman depart. And if there's another departure, that would be a position group where I, I wouldn't be exceptionally shocked. The the other the other names are, are not a big surprise. I feel like there's there's two lessons to take out of this. One is that there really aren't sure things in recruiting. And that's you know this is a big reason why it's so important to amass depth, right? And to, to be able to recruit at such a high level. Because for you know a lot of the all these guys were blue chip recruits. I don't none of them were like superstars. These weren't high for you know, five-star caliber guys. You know, I think these were between like the the 0.9 and 0.94, you know, range. But still, uh, people whose high school scouting profile would suggest, you know, productive starter for a Power 5 program, somebody who could play for Ohio State. And, you know, there's no givens. So if a player gets hurt and doesn't recover uh, on time or doesn't regain his, his, his previous performance after an injury uh, or if there's a, a longer than expected adjustment time to the college game, they, they, they may not contribute. So 
you know, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm not shocked by any of this. I wish all of them the best at, at their, you know, their, where, where, where they're moving on. You know, for players who are transferring to places like Vanderbilt or Duke, good for you. know, that, that's outstanding. You're gonna get, an, you're gonna get an excellent education for free, playing football. Really, a better one than you're gonna get at Ohio State, if, if we're, if we're being honest. And so, you know. You know, congratulations. I, I think I think that's you know that's excellent for you personally. Yeah, saw so a guy like Jeremy Cash transfer a while back and turn into a really good player at safety for Duke. And I, I think too to your point that when you bring in this much talent and you're at a place like Ohio State or Alabama, we tend to think as fans like, oh, all these guys are going to contribute, but that's just not how it works. You're going to have hits. You're going to have misses, and also, too, you can only have 11 guys on the field at once, and then when you even break that down further into position groups, you know, you can only have – you can have five receivers on the field, but we know that that's not the way that Ohio State operates most of the time, and they're pretty set in their role. So despite how talented some of these guys may be, and, and we're going to see this, as you're saying, as spring ball goes on and as we get closer to fall, there's probably going to be a couple of more really talented players – who came in with a lot of hype that, for whatever reason, whether it's playing time, they just don't fit with the culture, whatever it is, are just not going to see the field and they're going to head elsewhere. Yeah, I. It's that's so important to to, to remember, right? Like even in the most loaded uh, recruiting classes, there's going to be a lot of people who are just not going to see the field. Who are ever going to play? Like like we look back at the 2013 recruiting class for Ohio State. As of right now, the greatest recruiting class in Ohio State history. The the, the the impetus uh, and the foundation for a national title that included Mike Mitchell, very high star, uh, you know, high four star linebacker, transferred, never played for Ohio State. To my knowledge, hasn't really done anything in college. Um, Evan Lyle off to Duke, didn't really do anything. Trey Johnson got hurt, never really played. Jamie Thompson transferred, didn't didn't play. Corey Smith had kind of an up and down career, was injured a lot. You know, thing, things things didn't work out. You know, right, like uh, Tim 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 Gardner never even made it to, to camp. Uh, he was he was he was gone that summer for off uh, off the field sort of things like there's the, and even in this last class which on paper is better you're gonna you're gonna have guys like that so you know my my only concern in this process like we all knew this was coming we all knew that there were going to be you know you know four five six seven maybe more players uh, depart the program uh, my only concern is when those decisions are not made voluntarily if you have a player who's hurt. And can't play college football anymore, and wants to take a medical reg, you know, a, med- a medical scholarship. That that's fine. I, I I don't you know I don't have any more qualms with that. And if a player you know is able to have a conversation with their coach and say like, look, based on your development right now and based on where on where we're recruiting, it's very unlikely that you're going to see the field. Uh, you could stay if you want to, but if playing is the most important thing for you, we'll help you try to find a- another place. And and the kid can make his decision. And if he decides to leave at that point. I personally don't have any qualms with that. And at, at, a, at a place like Ohio State, there's going to be those kind of conversations that are happening every year. I, I think we both know that elsewhere, and, and even on some level at Ohio State, uh, to my knowledge, this has been relatively rare when that is not so much a mutual decision. And that's something that I have a problem with. And if, and if a player doesn't pan out and doesn't want to leave, I think you got to keep him. Like it's the coach that offered that offered the scholarship, and there's been a, you know a couple of those guys on, on Ohio State's roster. I don't get. I have not heard uh, that that running kids off as a systemic issue under this regime, especially compared to maybe some other programs. Uh, I can think of maybe two or three times in the last four years where maybe things were a little bit dicey, 
but that that's that's kind of how I feel about oversigning of some of this roster transition sort of thing. I, I to my knowledge as of right now, I don't I don't know if any of these were like cut scenarios or 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 mutual conversations. Do you what do you think? I agree with you and I also think too that it's it's naive to believe at a place like Ohio State that's in the last 5 years been the second best football team in the nation for all intents and purposes that like you're saying those conversations don't happen where whether it's with injury or you're just talking to a player that you kind of the coaches know isn't really going to crack that too deep and say hey let's let's work together and find you a place it's naive to think that those conversations don't happen but I think too if players were being pushed out against their will that we would hear more about that and I think that the coaches probably had a good idea when they signed this most recent class on maybe not exactly who was going to leave, but there were going to be players that, for whatever reason, were going to leave the program. And so I would imagine that they came into the recruiting class with that mindset. And quite honestly, this is something we talked about on the signing day episode, is that they could have signed more kids if they really wanted to, and they ended up not doing it. So I think they kind of pushed that threshold to its limit until it was like, all right, you know, we, we just really can't sign any more guys because then we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to kind of nudge people out the door against their will. So I think they pushed it to its limit. But if you're talking in the sense of like oversigning the way that fans like to complain about it, I, I don't think they really did it with malice. We'll see what happens over the next couple of months. If, if uh, more of those conversations start happening as we get more and more into spring ball, you know, spring ball just started today. There hasn't been anything especially substantive, it would appear, other than Eric Lover-Williams is now officially a wide receiver, uh, and, and Urban expects that to be permanent. But that, of course, well, I think will, will change. I mean, we'll, we'll, more and more substantive things, I think, will be coming out over the next week, two weeks or so, hopefully uh, not injuries or eligibility issues. Matt, did you know that Ohio State wants to work on their deep passing game this year? Uh, you know, that, that's the rumor that, that they, they want to enhance their passing attack. Big, if true. That's uh, that that's that's the rumor. They, they they weren't so great at throwing the football last year. They want to be a little bit better at throwing the football this year. I'm told that they have a few new coaches. They might be trying to change some things in their scheme. Like I, I don't know. You're, you're going to hear every single friggin' coaching cliche. Well, you know. I guess we'll we'll believe it a little bit more if you see some in the spring game, but you know it is what it is at this point, right? Yeah, you know who's not going to have a new coach at Ohio State? Who? The Ohio State basketball team, oh. because Pat Forty of Yahoo Sports reported last night that Thad Mata is going to come play is planning on coming back for the 2017-18 season. You can check the post out on our site. You can go check his post out on, on yahoo.com. He had a couple of other coaches that he named that were either going to come back or were expected to be fired. But the most interesting thing to me from that piece, and I want to get your take on it and, and hear from the listeners as well, is that basically nowhere in there did he mention Ohio State's record or that Gene Smith was thinking about getting rid of him. It seems like from what people are telling Pat Forty that this was a decision that Thad Mata made and it mostly, the speculation even, just had to do with the back issues that he's had over the years, but he's decided to come back. And I thought that was interesting that, at the very least, Gene Smith wouldn't think about it because this is something we talked about on our last podcast, and we both wanted Thad Mata to come back. But I do think that it was worth a discussion. So at least from what Forty's reporting, I was surprised that those conversations weren't had and it was just a thing of whether 
Mata's back was going to be good enough to go next season or not. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, every report Seth Davis had one maybe like six weeks ago. There were a few other ones, uh, national writers that checked in on this. It doesn't seem like that there was any real movement towards um, pushing Thad out. You know, if if he's healthy, great. I'm happy for him. Um, you're getting a little bit of recruiting reinforcements here. My level of optimism, I think, truly will be determined partly by who comes back, whether Lyle or Thompson, uh, you know, if they both stay, both leave, one stays, one leaves, what, what the, you know, um, the health situation, and also a little bit about how Ohio State finishes this season. So let's talk about that here a little bit. So by the time you're listening to this, it'll be time for the greatest tournament in all of college basketball that of course the big 10 basketball tournament and it's uh normally it's in the midwest i've seen i've attended this tournament in indianapolis uh i've attended this tournament in chicago i had a great time both times now it is uh basically in my backyard it's it's here it's here in washington dc we'll start at the verizon center ohio state will play their first game uh the night game 7 p.m big 10 network wednesday against rutger um if you're not excited about that, I, I don't know what to tell you because I I can't I can't sell I can't sell it for you, man. I've watched Ohio State basketball this year. I've watched Rutgers basketball this year. You know, Ohio State has like a 75% chance of winning. My only goal for this season was please God do not lose to Rutgers. So, you know, I just want to very quickly talk about this bracket. Um, Ohio State needs to win this tournament if they're going to make the big dance. M- making a run to the to the to the finals isn't going to be enough to rehabilitate a profile that has a lot of really bad losses and very few wins of note. Um, they've beaten Michigan State. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Wisconsin. Two of those three teams make the tournament. Maybe all three of them do, but that's, you know, that, that's it. And you got some, you know, you lost to Florida Atlantic. But I, I think the Buckeyes have, have a very good chance of winning their first game. And then uh, they'll face Northwestern. And I, I think that they have a better, than, you know, more of an unpuncher's chance of winning that game. Northwestern's low-key playing that great over the last couple of weeks. And then they would play Maryland. And that's, uh, a team that's beaten Ohio State relatively handily twice and will be enjoying the closest thing to home court advantage. So that, I think, would be would be very difficult. Um, and I don't know about you. Maybe you feel differently. I can't really think of any other non-Ohio State matchup save a potential Purdue-Maryland championship game that really excites me about this bracket. Is there any other game or any other team that you'd be like, I, I'm, you know, I will watch that even if Ohio State's not playing? No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And I think that's mostly because, you know, if, if Michigan State were better, if Michigan State were at the level that they're usually at, if they were the one or the two seed, it's always cool to see them get rolling when tournament time comes around. But as a five seed, it seems like they just don't have the juice this year. And even a team like Maryland, I'm just really not sure outside of Wisconsin, just because they've had guys that have been there before that any of these teams can make a deep run in the actual NCAA tournament. So I, this is the worst year of Big Ten basketball I can remember, and I, I'm just not jazzed up for it at all. Maybe it would be cool to see Iowa beat Indiana in the first round just to see, like, the final nail in Tom Crean's coffin. But other than that, uh, nothing really excites me out of this tournament. Yeah. One, it's far away from most uh, schools in the Big Ten, and two out of the three schools that are within a day's drive of, of downtown D.C., you know, the – Penn State and uh, Rutgers areas, uh, they both suck at basketball and they don't have any basketball fans. So it's really, it's just Maryland. Um, and it's expensive. 
hotels here are more expensive than they are in Chicago and Indianapolis. And, and you're probably going to have to fly. Parking's more expensive. Uh, the Verizon Center is low-key not that great of a place to watch basketball. It doesn't have the history of the United Center or the great sight lines and amenities of, uh, of downtown Indy. It's big for Maryland. I know that Maryland asked for this when they joined the conference. They talked about it a little bit at Big Ten Basketball Media Day, which was here in D.C. So, like, you know, it's good for me because, I, I know, I get to walk to all the games. And it's good for Big Ten alumni in D.C., of which there's not a small number. But between that and the fact that this is the worst the Big Ten has been in basketball probably in the last four seasons, I don't really look at this. I, I, my expectations for this event are very low. And the, the buzz that I've seen for this tournament locally has been very low as well. You see a couple of ads for it on the subway. They're not talking about it in the D.C. papers. It's not something you're really talking about on D.C. radio. Um, unless you're just a diehard Big Ten fan, this like you're, you're not plugged in here. Like, like I, I would I would expect this to be like a less than a half-empty arena for the Ohio State-Rutgers game. And, you know, we'll see what happens if Maryland loses early. And maybe that'll change next season. I would assume that the Big Ten is going to be a little bit better next year. Hopefully Ohio State will be better. But it's also going to be in the garden, and you're going to have that atmosphere. It's going to be in New York. And so hopefully next season it kind of gets back up to where it's been in the past. But it seems like this year there's just no buzz for it, no matter you know what fan base it is. Maybe if you're a Purdue fan or Wisconsin or Maryland, but other than that, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of hype. The New York thing's going to be interesting because um, there's very few venues for basketball where I think the venue itself matters, right? Like, you know, there and there might be a, there's a couple in football, I guess, and Madison Square Garden is definitely one for basketball. But because the Big Ten's not the only tournament that gets to play there, that's the Big East tournament too. So next year, you're going to have the tournament moved up a week, and that's going to really change the regular season Big Ten schedule. Things that their, their Big Ten play is going to start earlier than it normally does, and, and you know, that's going to change the flow of the season, and maybe that's something we end up hating. Um might just be bad timing now. Like, yeah, I, I'm okay with this happening like once a decade. It looks like the tournament's going to mostly be in the Midwest. Um, but, you know, I, I, I went to those tournaments as a student, and when I was a young graduate and I was super broke, and I paid 40 bucks for, you know, tickets to, to you know, to three or four games, and uh, my transportation and my lodging were all really cheap. And I would be surprised if there are as many students at this event, and that's part of what makes it a cool event, I think, is having younger people there. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm saying all this here before the tournament actually starts. Maybe I go and I'm wowed by the Big Ten baked potatoes or Big Ten hot dogs, and there's a bunch of Rutger fans, and it's a surprisingly interesting event. And if that's true, that's the story I'll write about it. But, you know, let the record state, my expectations at this point are pretty modest. There was, uh, speaking of, of things that you're not very excited about, I understand that you have a bone to pick with me about an opinion that I recently shared. And I, I, I would not want this to potentially compromise our podcasting relationship. So maybe it's just good that we just get this out in the open and, and work through it right now. See, I feel bad because none of our listeners will know that we recorded this podcast yesterday and I fucked the audio up and we've had this discussion, but we're going to have it again. And I, I feel like I understand your position in a more straightforward way now. So I think you're going to have to explain yourself to the audience is that you like to eat salsa on your macaroni and cheese. And as a man who's never done that before and can't understand that way of living, you know, it, it's, it was, it, it feel, it felt like a threat to me. 
Uh, as somebody who loves mac and cheese. But we're not talking pace here. We're not talking your dollar store, you know, shitty little salsa. We're talking some high-end salsa on mac and cheese. And I'm interested to hear if the listeners, if any of our listeners out there, kind of go this route as well with their mac and cheese. But it was something that I don't do. But I'm intrigued on it. I'm not saying now that I won't try it. But at first, it definitely felt like a a threat to my... um, See, and I don't even want to say this given the political climate. I was going to say threat to Americanism. And that's not even a word. <laughs> Listen, if, if we start talking, I mean, like, you have to be careful because somebody talking about salsa being a threat to America or the American way of life <laughs> will we'll definitely get this podcast picked up on some weird Teacot stuff. L- l- you know, here, here's what happened. So I uh, am in the living room, and it's in the evening, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break from working on writing. I'm playing a little bit of NBA 2K. And, and, and my laptop, when it's at home, is generally open to TweetDeck. So I, you know, I, I can walk around and check to see what's going on if I have to write a post. And that's a problem. Uh, and you would think that I would have known, learned this better by now. Um, but one, my daughter can then run around and start tweeting, as she's wont to do about every, like, month. Uh, and in, in this particular case, my wife decided, oh, I'm going to start tweeting from Matt's account, which she's done a couple of times. Most recently, when I cut my... I slashed like my, my hand when I was doing the dishes and I couldn't type for like three days. Um, so she starts t- saying these embarrassing things about me on Twitter.com. I think these tweets are still up and mentions that uh, she thinks my worst food take is that I put salsa on my mac and cheese. And here, here is my defense uh, to, to, to this decision here. And I'm not saying that you guys have to do this. I just want to say just, just hear me out. I feel like you and I both agree that tomatoes and cheese work together. It's an integral part of pizza. It's part of the, uh, the, the the meatball marinara sub. It's part of chicken parmesan. It's part of a bunch of other dishes. Okay, we, we, we can agree those two ingredients are not in conflict. Many, much of the other vegetable accoutrement, part of onion or the also works well with cheese. The supreme pizza is part of a lot of pasta sauces. So the individual components here are, are, not, are not the problem. So if you have a, a nice mac and cheese where maybe you have some breadcrumbs baked on top so you have a little bit of a crunch and you have a nicer, thicker salsa, you got to be careful not to get something that's too watery, that if you combine all those together uh, and warm it up, it's pretty good and, and, and uh, you know, make something that's a little bit more complex and, and uh, you know, hits a couple of different textures rather than um, just the straight mac and cheese. I mean, pe- people put hot sauce on there to, to, get, to get some of that same kick. That you know, that's that that that's kind of my philosophy here. It's unfortunate that my, my wife, you know, kind of sent this out here like I'm I'm putting watery paste on on, on Annie's mac and cheese because that would probably taste pretty bad. But uh, if that's my worst food take, which it it probably isn't if we're, if we're being honest. But if that is, I think I'm doing okay. I also feel like the bigger thing to come out of that Taylor takeover was. She said that you were teenage Michael Sarah and super bad. Oh. And if you want to use the podcast as your platform to defend that, uh, that takedown, you're more than welcome. Man, to. Yeah. That I'm not going to lie to you guys. That bummed me up for like the rest of the evening. And, and the sad truth is, 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 uh, she's probably right. You know, <laughs> I'm dead. I, you know, yeah. No, no, I was definitely it's like 17 year old me. Of the three main characters of that film, was definitely closer to Michael Sarah than McLovin or um, or Jonah Hill. Uh, you know, I think I think I was a little bit of a late bloomer. It's good that I didn't meet my wife until I was like 24, because um, I don't, I don't think she would have wanted to hang out with me in high school. 
Hey, I think one of the most important things you can do in life is own it. And hey, that's that's how you grow. That's how you learn. Look, I, yeah, I, I feel like we I teach just, life lessons on this podcast. Ex- exactly. Listen, one of the best parts about about getting older is that I, I think you're able to just kind of really take stock of, of who you are and what you are. Just lean into it. Folks, I'm not cool. I, I turned 30 in like two or three weeks. Uh, the fact that I had to say two or three because I couldn't remember offhand is, is a sign of, of getting a little bit older. Uh, you know, I make dad jokes on the Internet, I write about football. I'm, I'm not an especially, you know, I, I, I don't know the hip, cool music. And, that, and that's just what I am. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not like I would have, you know, when I, when I was 20. So that, 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 that's, my, that's my two bits of advice, three bits of advice to you. Number one, stay in college as long as you can, as long as you can afford it. Number two, lean in and embrace who you are. Number three, don't watch Ohio State Rutgers. Watch literally anything else on television. I'm going to get paid to watch Ohio State Rutgers. I'll watch it for you. You can click on our website and read the story about it. But you are not obligated to watch that basketball game. I promise you, unless you want to come to the tournament and say hi to us, in which case, sure, you know, we can hang out after. Um, you, you, you don't have to do this. Just go to landgrantholyland.com and, and, and we'll fill you in on all that stuff so you can go, you know, uh, and, and enjoy a, a, a more fulfilling enjoy life yeah so yeah this, this this got a little bit more philosophical here on the second tape so uh, i hope you all appreciate that we're going to have a lot more about the big 10 tournament uh what it means here for dc what it means for ohio state and their postseason hopes and their roster uh we're going to have a lot of video uh from this tournament as well all on land grant holy land and on our facebook page so if you haven't liked our facebook page but you listen to this godforsaken podcast my man or my woman um, go do that because we put a bunch of we, we put a bunch of things on there. So you're, you're going to want to check that out. And also, uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes if you tolerate like this or like this show. Give us a review. Four or five stars is great. You know we're, we're about grit. We're okay with the three star too. Leave us a review. Leave us some constructive criticism if you have a hot take. Uh, it helps some more people find the show. Helps this grow. Helps us build our hashtag brand. In the meantime. Everyone, thanks for thanks for listening and go bucks.